With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And our guest today is Barbara Unell. She is the founder of Back in the Swing. Barbara has a 30-year career that spans publishing, business ownership. She's an author, speaker, 
educator, a philanthropic and social entrepreneur. And Barbara got back into the swing herself after her diagnosis of and then her treatment of breast cancer in 1998. As a result of that experience, she created Back in the Swing in 2000 as a fundraiser for breast cancer survivorship programs services and research. And since then, she has taken this national. She has appeared on hundreds of local and national media in print, on radio, including uh, some of these you've probably heard of, Oprah, NBC Nightly News, Good Morning America, The Today Show, CBS Evening News, The CBS Early Show, NPR, the Associated Press Radio Network, USA Today, Time, Good Housekeeping, Parents, Newsweek, and The New York Times, and that's just a few of them. So welcome to the show today, Barbara. So happy to have you here to spread this message. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. So as I said in the introduction, back in the swing, originally you founded that back in 1998 as a result of your own experience so that you could uh, have a vehicle for fundraising for breast cancer. It's become so much more. Tell us about your experience, why you decided to found Back in the Swing, and why it has grown so wildly. I mean, you've got a great, important message that we all need to hear. Thank you. I appreciate that. Again, um, the the journey of uh, Back in the Swing has is, is been, um, as someone who's been in the for-profit world, uh, for uh, over 20 years, uh, very interesting to see my uh, intent and the mission of Back in the Swing has been just that. We say our name is our mission. And it, it really uh, started, as you said, to raise funds to fund um, clinical programs, medical programs in hospitals and cancer centers that would continue this care that I found, frankly, was uh, stopping after the last chemotherapy treatment or radiation treatment, and um, I simply asked a uh, very, I thought, practical question, which was, now what, um, after my treatment ended, uh, knowing that for many, many other diseases or many other problems, such as you, know, you break your leg or whatever, there is, there is post-treatment care. Sure. Not knowing anything, really, about this whole field of medicine, except for the fact that that uh, the, the treatment had um, clearly uh, impacted uh, all of my body. It had really nothing to do with the cancer, per se, but had everything to do with the treatment and the side effects of the treatment. Uh, I was very interested in building back my immune system, my bones, my heart, um, my skin, my endocrine system, everything that was affected. Right, just like anybody would, right? Absolutely. And seriously, though, you have your last chemotherapy treatment, and at least at that time in 1998, they mm -hmm. said, okay, you're done, have a good life? It, well, exactly. In fact, what they said was uh, uh, come back in three months for more scans. And anybody who's listening here will know that that is not an odd thing for someone to say. In fact, um, that is the that was... And still is in in the the majority of places. Although we're working to change that, um, the uh, standard of care was um, to to if you finish your treatment. In fact, some places actually give you a certificate. They ring a bell. They everybody claps uh, when you're finished with your treatment. In in theory, um, you're done. You're it's over. Uh, now go you know go forward if you will it it, it kind of reminds me of of you know how you know if you, when you're pregnant and then you have the baby uh, you know that's a whole new chapter that begins with this baby there's I'm not telling you anything you don't know uh, sure. right right and yeah. so uh it was odd to me 
I guess it was my first response, uh, but then uh, really concerning to me, uh, my second response, that that the uh, all this excitement that you're over with, but these folks knew very well uh, what the impact on my body had been. And, in fact, it's the impact on everyone's body. It's not just mine, uh, obviously. Um, but I went to, to the uh, next step, being a psychologist and a researcher myself and a journalist. You know, I love information, right? Sure. <laughs> so I went to look for uh, information to help make sure that I could create my own, if you will, back in the swing plan, my own care plan uh, to figure out how to rebuild my my body, uh, my mind, and my spirit to help me get back in the swing. And that was in 1998, 1999. And um, you remember these things called bookstores? Oh, yes, yes. What are what are those again? <laughs> yeah, God, absolutely. God bless them. I love them, and I loved them then, and I went directly to them and um, uh, because you couldn't go online and you couldn't do you couldn't Google something and um, and indeed uh, found that there weren't um, the even the generic resources for this kind of um, rebuilding process and improving and protecting my health. Um, so I took it upon myself to. Uh, create a an answer to that problem. It's, I guess, the best way to put what back in the swing is. Um, there was this gap in uh, health care. And um, not only, uh, you know, when we have business ideas or we see a need in the marketplace or we see something that perhaps uh, a niche that needs to be filled, uh, I think my for-profit business background led me to be looking at this uh, from not only the need for this kind of product in the in the healthcare field, but it was critical uh, to prevent recurrence. That um, the the data was undeniable uh, that this was not a matter of of just you know creating a product, but but potentially life and death. And um, and I was not satisfied uh, either emotionally, psychologically, or literally physically. Uh, to sit back and and say, well, wow, that that's bad, but oh well, let's move on. Um, and so I got a, a group of uh, my actually colleagues together, none of which none of whom had had cancer uh, themselves, and um, made just posed the question: um, How do we fill this gap? How do we create um, the uh, health care that we need? And the first answer, of course, was. Let's raise some funds and uh, go back to the hospitals and care centers and um, uh, ask them to uh, create these programs with these funds. And how was that met initially? Since this was actually, you know, a, a new concept to them, was it met with skepticism, or was it? Uh, did the, in, in particular, the nurses who do so much of the caregiving, uh, did they welcome this and say, "Oh my gosh, this is exactly what we've been." wanting uh how was that how was that received exactly it, that's exactly the response actually it was it was uh, uh i'm based here in kansas city um but i found that when i did my research um uh, nationally um after leaving the bookstore and calling different cancer centers uh to find out what their standard of care was i found that this was actually not just a situation in the Midwest, but it was in the the finest cancer centers across the country um, that the standard of care was actually stopping the care at that point and then uh, doing um, uh, scans for looking for more cancer. And um, the uh, community that we brought together here locally uh, was a, uh, involved 
uh, five hospitals and um, two psychosocial agencies in a, in a sort of focus group kind of setting where we, the leaders in um, breast cancer care, clinical medical care in this city came together in the same room, um, and many of whom, um, it was sort of like the UN, you know. Um, we we uh, brought them together, and we were there to uh, represent and to advocate for the the what I call the consumer, but otherwise known as the survivor. Right. To a person, the medical professionals were, thank you. I knew this was wrong, that we were not following up with care. I, I've always felt badly that we've just sent people home. I, I knew that the impact on short-term and long-term um, uh, side effects uh, were uh, really um, uh, difficult to cope with, but we didn't have the strategies or the um, health care delivery system to do this. Right. And they were thrilled uh, to begin this entrepreneurial venture with us. And it really was a team effort um, because uh, as a nonprofit, we were uh, in the fundraising business, as you said, but quickly, almost simultaneously, became in the program development business. Of course. Um, because we, meaning back in the swing and our volunteers, were uh, completely focused on uh, what this would look, feel, and be like for the consumer, whereas the hospital and the caregivers looked at it from the clinical side. It was a great marriage of of the science and common sense. Right. Now, fast forward a little bit. Uh, as a result of your drive and your efforts to create awareness and to actually do more than create awareness, to actually uh, create programs, did that change the thinking of some of these care facilities or these health care facilities to, uh, in addition to whatever funds you were raising, to actually over the years make this next leg of the journey, so to speak, uh, part of their own funding that they w- or part of their own budget? Uh, have you succeeded in creating enough awareness that they now, although you do raise funds, that they, they actually allot some of their own budget for this type of thing? Yes. In fact, simultaneously, as we were growing and um, on, on a on a local grassroots level uh, here at, in the greater Kansas City region, um, our the work we were funding on, on a local level um, started being presented nationally at conferences and um, um, cancer center uh, meetings, um, scientific advisory meetings, um, and what was fantastic is the the. Uh, impact of that was that we were getting, we back in the swing, were getting calls from all over the country asking us to raise funds in um, places like, you know, Boston and Miami and New York and L.A., as well as in smaller towns across the country. What was happening simultaneously to what we were doing, um, again, timing is everything, right, Um, or is a lot, let's put it that way, Um, is that the National um, Academy of Sciences in 2005, so roughly five, six years later, came out with a book, um, really a white paper called um, From Cancer Patient to Cancer Survivor, Mm -hmm. Lost in Transition. Uh, About a 500-page book uh, that basically uh, details identified um, uh, in my own personal care and then when we started going to the greater public that there was this gap in health care. And basically the leaders in cancer, there's 12 million at that time, cancer survivors, and we have failed them by not providing them this care. So 
it was um, then an urgent call to action by the scientific community, by the healthcare community, to their colleagues to start to develop these programs and services. Um, I couldn't have written a better script myself if I had if I had planned it, but clearly there was no planning in this. I mean, I I prefer I not have breast cancer at the beginning, frankly, but since I did and since this happened, uh, the rest is kind of history. So Exactly. Your experience combined with your entrepreneurial nature, um, all the forces at work, uh, and this, this wonderful uh, message that you've been able to get out and uh, the change that you have have helped to create is, is is just extraordinary. One of the things that you're working on now is a cookbook project called Back in the Swing. Tell us about the Back in the Swing cookbook. Yes, the 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 the, the uh, upshot of the national efforts and the national interest in all this, um, and then the, the the kind of top down and bottom up uh, work that was being done in this field. Uh, resulted in our uh, creating a national nonprofit in 2009, um, officially titled Black in the Swing USA, to serve this greater need uh, everywhere, frankly, around the world for that matter. But particularly in this country, we were focusing on um, making sure that not only did the um, cancer centers and the clinicians in the cancer centers, the social workers, the uh, nurses, the um, oncology nurses per se, particularly, had uh, the ability to provide this care, but also the consumers, the the um, patients, if you will, um, who at that point were numbering, or at this point, numbering about 3 million, um, and all of this expected to double in the next 10 years. So, Every two minutes, someone in this country is diagnosed with breast cancer, according to the American Cancer Society. Every two minutes. Wow. So every two minutes, someone is asking that question of, now what? Did I ask? That wasn't such an unusual question. They're, the only reason to get treatment is to be able to uh, recover and to move on into, as I like to say, get back in the swing of life, whatever that life is. So what we did by by going broader, if you will, by expanding, um, we started to realize that, we needed to educate not only the um, practitioners but also the consumers. So we started, uh, and I'm kind of fast-forwarding here, uh, funding an educational um, modules, online modules, cancer survivorship training for healthcare professionals, um, which is a company now that trains um, and, uh, nurses everywhere, anyone actually, who wants to provide this care all over the world, really. I guess it's online, actually. Um, but then we knew that the consumer needed information as well. So we were asked by Andrews McMill Publishing to uh, create a book that tells this story that I'm telling you, uh, telling everyone here, I'll tell anyone I can, right? <laughs> and you should, yes. And um, and so as an author myself, uh, the, the, as you mentioned over the past 30 years, it was a, it was a fantastic um, opportunity uh, to be invited to do this. But even more than the opportunity to create the book, uh, which was published in August 2011, it was an opportunity to change a conversation, which is, is how I phrase it, around um, the uh, impact and the um, new uh, beginnings that can happen and that do happen after, uh, particularly after breast cancer, in terms of lifestyle and environment. Uh, it's genetics, lifestyle, and environment that really work on our bodies and mind and spirit, no matter what the disease is, whether for better or for worse. So right. new book, the Back in the Swing cookbook, um, is is kind of a new brand of cookbook. It's a, it's a lifestyle book, in fact, um, that uh, is an everyday tool 
for people to be inspired, to be motivated, to feel good, based on science. So every piece of data in the book is is research-based, um, but more importantly, um, the design and the feel of the book is uh, is created to empower everyone to use their voice to uh, use his or her voice to improve and protect her health. Absolutely. So, so what you're saying is that this is not just for breast cancer survivors. It's something that's of value to anyone. It's true, and and I think the 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 best compliment that we've gotten as we brought this book out into the marketplace, and it's available in bookstores everywhere, or online, of course, um, uh, through the the regular channels that we all know, uh, the Amazon and everyone else, or local bookstores everywhere, mm-hmm. is that um, the uh, information and the research about prevention of disease, of prevention of heart disease, prevention of um, breast cancer, prevention of all kinds of cancer, actually, um, and prevention of obesity, et cetera, um, is applicable to all of us who want to take care of our health. Um, And after uh, breast cancer in particular, um, there is, um, I think, a, a comfort in the sense that have some information that can, in fact, provide you that kind of sense of, of empowerment and control. Um, but as I say, you don't have to have breast cancer to take care of yourself. No, no. It just shines a brighter yeah. light on, the, on, the, on, the, on perhaps a motivating factor to do that. But it is a great compliment that people have said, you know, I, I use this book to cook for my boyfriend. I love this, you know, a 23-year-old or, or a, a 60-year-old who says, you know, that I – I'm going to use this for my dinner party. Um, it's 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 just a great joy to be having this book out now. Well, and of course, uh, one of the things as business owners that we struggle with is productivity in the workplace and absenteeism and employees who are healthy. And so it has applications for business. And what I want to talk to you about, since we have a business audience here today, one of the things that many of us as business owners might not consider is the transition of any of our employees who are coming back to work after breast cancer. Because in spite of all your efforts, I I believe that many of us think, oh, she had, and and I realize men get breast cancer too, uh, primarily though it's it's women, uh, so I'll say she, but, you know, okay, she's back, she's done with her chemotherapy, and she, you know, good good deal, back to work, and uh, all systems go, uh, full throttle ahead, and it's not that way, because as you've pointed out, it's more than just the cancer. Uh, talk, talk to us about some of the ways that an employer, first of all, some of the things that a breast cancer survivor faces whenever they're coming back to work, and how, secondly, how an employer can help make that transition uh, easier and more successful. Great. Yes, I think it's a it's a it's a very important issue, and it's a, some one that I have seen over and over again um, uh, make the difference in in a in an uh, again a consumer's life uh, from uh, getting back in the swing literally to um, uh, having um, uh, not only uh, the inability to return to his or her job, but a, a, such a discomfort on the part of the employer as well as the employee. So. So I think the the most important piece to 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 kind of impart to everyone is um, this sense of trust between the employer and the employee. Um, I think it's a, sort of the last horizon, if you will, around cancer. You know, a long time ago, no one would talk about you know they did whisper when they're talking about cancer. You know, there wasn't a 
there just wasn't an ability to talk about it um, because it was just so frightening. And it still is, I think, uh, uh, an enormous fear, of course, uh, with everyone. But the the uh, factor, the, the trust factor between the employer and the employee needs to be based, I believe, on on the honesty between um, for the employee. That would be the cancer survivor to understand that these physical and emotional challenges that come with treatment um, um, actually may be absolutely normal for the impact of that treatment. So, for example, fatigue. Um, there's a, there's a, a, an enormous uh, uh, sense of um, that I'm not strong enough, that I should be able to go right back to doing the things I should be doing, and why am I so tired? And that, those those factors then lead to fear. Well, something's wrong. Something. Do you see what I'm getting at? I, I do. Yeah. yeah. So the the discussion between the healthcare provider and the uh, patient or the consumer or the employee needs to happen, but also then the education to the employer. You know that this impact of this care, not the cancer itself, but the impact of the treatment, is still extremely toxic in many ways. Important and necessary, but one of the forefront of, 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 of research is, is being how do we create less toxic treatments so that we don't um, have some of these debilitating factors afterwards. And that for example, for example, what are some of the, as an employer, what are some of the things that I might see in somebody coming to work after surviving breast cancer? I think one of the most important pieces is this piece of around fatigue. It, it is um, it, this, this fatigue that's different from just being tired. It's the kind of fatigue where, um, because of the impact on chemotherapy and and sometimes radiation, again, depending on the individual. And so this is a very individualized conversation we're having, even though we're talking generically. Um, and one of the things that Back in the Swing has done is help to fund um, the, um, the clinical care, as I said, um, on an individual uh, level um, in in the cancer centers. But I, I have to say that um, this is uh, in no means should be taken as as, as a fear-based conversation that we're having. Like, oh, my gosh, you mean I won't be able to work if I get breast cancer? Oh, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it, if you have fatigue and don't understand why you're so tired, it may be something extremely important to talk to your care provider about. And then talk to your employer about the fact that, that you're working on that, that, you're, that this is a side effect of the treatment, but you're working on getting your strength and your, your um, energy back. Um, there's issues around... Um, uh, um, neuropathy or um, what is that? Neuropathy. Numbness on your hand. Your hand. Oh, okay. So, so keyboarding could be uh, impacted, for example. If they're walking, um, in terms of whether you stairs, you need to climb to get to your office, or, or you may have a job where you are, you know, in sales and you need to make a lot of visits in terms of travel. Um, there may be a sense of um, this um, therapy that you're going to need physical therapy um, that you're going to need to get that feeling back in your hands if you need to treat the neuropathy. Um, a lot of times there is absolutely no idea on the part of the employer or the employee, for that matter, that there needs to be physical rehab after cancer. You just don't put those two things together. Yeah, no, you, you wouldn't until I talked to you, started talking to you. I didn't realize that myself. And, and other things, too, I, I think you talked about before, memory loss. 
Right. So you'd think cancer and memory loss? Why would you have memory loss because of cancer? But again, you think got back to think a lot of this find out is symptomatic of the treatment. Right. Exactly. And and again, not putting down the treatment because I'm I'm we're clearly I uh, can so uh indebted to the enormous amounts of of uh, uh research that's been going on particularly in the past a couple of decades around um, targeted treatments, uh, targeted therapies that are more um, an exact science that help keep people alive and make the, make it so that there are this many survivors in the world. So, so it's important to know that the treatments are important, but there's this other shoe, if you will, that I'm talking about now that people may not even connect back to their cancer treatment, if you know what I'm saying. So they may have this joint pain or they may have this sense of, um, of um, neuropathy or lymphedema, swelling in their arms, arms and legs, or a, or a, or a sense of bone bone loss or osteoporosis that they yeah, don't connect back. Their healthcare provider may not have taken the time to connect back. Mm-hmm. That's where the Back in the Swing um, organization. If you go to backintheswing.org. Um, uh, there's this relief that we've heard from people uh, all across the country and actually even over the world, around the world, who have gone online and gone to our website and say, oh, my gosh, thank you. And I knew I wasn't crazy. My, um, my, my sense that connecting this back to my treatment um, is like a, an epiphany for me. Now, that doesn't mean that you still don't have some of these issues, right? But they shouldn't be um, compromising your quality of life. And that's where the consumer or the employee and the employer can work to make sure, for example, that insurance, there's insurance they're providing or their, um, their benefits they're providing for their employee can help cover some of this care. And now the American College of Surgeons, the Commission on Cancer, which is the governing body that accredits cancer centers, is, has actually made a um, new policy by 2014 for accreditation for the cancer centers or or cancer programs, the hospital programs, there has to be survivorship care plan and support offered by those health care facilities. And that's 2014 that's coming? By 2014. Okay. And and then other employees in the office, I mean, they, they again, just like the employer and, and the person, the cancer survivor, may not know, well, this person was sharp as a tack, this person, you know, nothing stopped him, and now she's back, she's, she's uh, survived the cancer treatment, and but she's not up to speed. And so how much, how can the employer, because I know there's a lot of confidentiality mm-hmm. um, issues surrounding health problems in the workplace, and so how does an employer bring the rest of the employees up to speed with what may be happening? That's a really good point. Uh, in fact, what we have been finding and it, we're thrilled to do it, is that we have be, uh, become a go-to organization that's sending teams of um, individuals to cancer centers around the country and to employee office, employers and to business offices around the country to do um, lunch and learns, to do workshops, to do um, um, meetings with their top leadership as well as on a grassroots level with all employees to educate and inform um, about what we're really considering to be the good news here um, that we're uh, providing so that this information gets out to people so that it's, if you will, normalizing this information so that it's not 
um, just a matter of oh poor Sally, gosh, you know we we are we are um, addressing this from a standpoint of um, uh, sympathy, of course, because we wish that this wasn't happening to Sally. But Sally needs our support in terms of understanding and um, positive reinforcement and creating a sense of of um, uh, fellowship, if you will. Um, around her getting back in the swing. Because, as I said, the whole point of getting treatment in the first place is to get back in the swing. I mean, that's what—that's why anybody chooses to have treatment. So, so switching, if you can kind of, I'm, I'm showing you with my hand here, you know, from a, from a uh, partly sunny to partly cloudy, to shifting the focus to uh, support and lifting up um, the employee, uh, understanding that it may take longer than either the employer or the employee thought, to get back in the swing, um, and however long that takes is what that employee needs. But that employee doesn't just have to sit around and wait for that to happen. She or he can go back now to her cancer center or consult with back in the swing to figure out how to make that game plan work for for him or her. Um, it's, it's a very um, um, much of a groundbreaking process now. What we're talking about, and what I'm so grateful to you, is that this is really in its infancy, but but it's going to be a groundswell, I believe, because of this accreditation issue, of people saying, "All right, how do I how do I get my arms around this new uh, and very exciting new field?" Okay. Yes. Well, and not only the the uh, accreditation certification we've got to get up, but to have uh, somebody like you who advocates this so mm-hmm. passionately. It, it yeah. obviously you're not going to let this sit still. You're going to keep after it, and we're so grateful to you for bringing your message to our audience today. Because as as I said, we have an audience of business owners, and a lot of times, especially with small businesses, this this can be a big change for the business too. Cause right, you know, right, and and some of the employers. I mean, some you know, I'm working with a CEO in um, out of Sarasota actually, and and. She herself went through treatment. She herself was frustrated and amazed at this at this issue that I've just been talking about. And so I'm working with her to to create um, an infrastructure in the Sarasota area where they can create this care and help build this care for herself and her employees in that in that area. So um, advocating for this care, making a difference, um, that's part of what we love happening too on a grassroots level. Barbara, if you've mentioned your well, website before, please please uh, mention it again. For anybody who's interested in more information, uh, where do they go for your website? And also, if somebody wanted to contact you directly, perhaps they want back to the swing to come into their organization or they're looking for some of these programs that you talked about, how do they go about getting in touch with you? Great. Um, well, the website is back in the swing, all one word, just like it's normal letters, um, .org, O-R-G. Um, and um, all they need to do is just go uh, to email me personally. If you'd like, it just be Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A, at backintheswing.org. Okay, so there you have it. Backintheswing.org is the website. Barbara at backintheswing.org if you'd like to get in, uh, in touch with Barbara directly. Barbara, it has been wonderful having you here today. A lot of, uh, a lot of insight that you've shed on this very important issue. Thank you. Well, it, it affects so yeah, just just tell her that uh, we're we're still interested in the end of the first year at the earliest. Just say that. Um, my computer is just.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.